obviously I was nervous for people to read the book. And I was like hesitant about, you know, exposing my family to people. And my mom and I had like a ton of discussions about it. Just like, but um, I also felt this like incredibly overwhelming sense that I had to do it. Like it wasn't like a, it wasn't really a discussion in my brain. It was like, I had hundreds of emails coming in every day from people saying like how much this essay helped them. That is Kylie Letty on the experience writing her first book, which led her to a Forbes 30 under 30 nomination. And this is Phoebe Drummond with Webcast. During the final week of her senior year of college, Kylie Letty signed her first major book deal. Months earlier, she had won the New York Times Modern Love Essay Contest for a piece she wrote about the death of her sister and grief in the new digital era. It was only the second time she had submitted writing to a public forum. The first time, she didn't even submit her writing under her name. Since graduating, Kylie published her book, The Perfect Other, A Memoir of My Sister, with praise from some of the biggest names in media, including former COO of Meta, Sheryl Sandberg. Today, we talk about the business behind a book, sharing a personal story with the world, finding the guts to gun after your goals, and what's next for Kylie, including a video adaptation of the book. Kylie, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad you made the time and and that we're finally talking. I know. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And so I know I gave a brief intro, but please feel free to fill in any gaps I must give everyone listening, like your spiel, how you prefer to introduce yourself. So I graduated from BC in 2019, and I was studying psychology and English there as a double major. Um, I was on track to get my MSW, which is a master's in social work and clinical counseling at Columbia University that fall. But before I graduated, I won this New York Times writing contest, which is part of the Modern Love column. They have a college essay contest. Um, And I won, which was a huge surprise. (laughs) And it really just accelerated my path. So my whole life plan originally was to, you know, my, you know, my big, when I was little plan was to kind of get my master's in psychology, get a PhD maybe, and kind of start writing about psychology and mental health topics when I was, had more degrees behind me and more authority to speak on this stuff. But because I won that contest, I had um, agents reach out to me that summer and then I secured a book deal that fall. So I put school off for a year. And in that meantime, I was working as an editorial assistant at a magazine while I wrote the book. Okay, that makes so much sense. Because I was saying to Kylie before, when I write the outlines that I send to guests, for anyone listening, I reach out to the guests, like see what their MO is, and then just do a, a LinkedIn browse and create these outlines. And hearing it from your point of view connects all those dots so well, especially to the point where I was going to say, like the first bullet point on my outline was, did you always have an intention of being an author? And was the psych side of things more to have this like practical experience before you can can devote your time to that? But it really seems to have been the opposite. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, I mean, I guess like when I was little, my biggest dream since I was like maybe seven was to be a writer. Okay. So I like, I don't know even why that came. I couldn't even read. <laughs> I like loved books and I always wanted to create books. It was my big dream. And I pursued that like all of middle school, all of high school, but I always wanted to write about psychology mm. when I was like, when I got a little older. 
like in high school, that was, my, that was my college essay actually to get into BC was like my plan to like do this. But um, yeah, I feel like I was really discouraged just not by anyone specifically, just I feel like society has a very mm. negative viewpoint sometimes about writing and making it and making a living. And for a while I was like, this can't be my full-time gig. I have to have something else supporting me. And what do I love? Like I love people and helping people. I like learning about the brain and learning about psychology. So I was like, this is a natural thing for me to study this, research this, and then the side I can write. But obviously I got very lucky with that contest and I just got fast-tracked. Well, you keep saying I I got lucky. I was so surprised <laughs> to win. But then you talk about how you've been writing your whole life, one and two, writing with a specific angle. And that psychology theme definitely did carry through in into the New York Times essay, right? Will you tell us about what you wrote about? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, you're, you're right about that. I mean, winning the contest was also like a 0.01% chance. Mm. And I had submitted like one short story before in a journal when I, with under a fake name. <laughs> really? Wait, <laughs> I, won't tell you the name. I was just like, I don't know. I didn't think it was going to actually get published. And then I was like, do I want my name to this? Like, do I want to have this out there? It was a very innocent short That's story. so interesting you say that. And like, let's sidetrack for a second because yeah. I had um a friend who got this amazing internship and everyone was so happy for her. And after the fact, we kind of like, wait, we didn't even know that that you applied. And she said mm-hmm. the same thing. She's like, I was so nervous that I wasn't going to get it. It was going to be so embarrassing. I didn't want to tell anyone. Meanwhile, all of us like knew how amazing she was, how hard she worked for other things. And it just goes to show it's like a similar stat that I was talking to someone on the phone the other day who was talking about how like it's a proven thing. Women apply less to things unless they, they see that they can check off every single box on the requirements list. Right. Meanwhile, men are much more likely to just jump into something. So it's really interesting to hear you echo that. And then to see, like like my friend, how accomplished you, you really have been that time you took the risk. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, that was really like the second piece of writing I'd ever submit anywhere was New York Times contest. Mm. And I don't know, I don't, I just feel like it's so hard to believe in yourself. And like, mm. now I talk to young writers, I'm just like, do it, like apply to everything, submit that short story, submit that essay, like, you know, do a contest, talk to an author, but like, just go for it. Because I felt like it was impossible until I actually just did have this like semi-lucky break, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> um. So yeah, no, I think, I think making as a writer is like absolutely possible. And I just wish more young people knew that. Mm. And so the piece, as you mentioned, the piece that got published in the New York Times, it's called Years Ago, My Sister Vanished. I see her whenever I want. Um, I guess we can talk a little bit more about your background of that essay and the background of going into your book and how how they've all been connected. Yeah. So that essay was about how my sister passed away, I guess, nine years ago now, mm-hmm. um, but five years ago back then. Um, so, yeah, it was about her. It basically was about how grief has changed in the digital age, just because we have so many new technologies that kind of keep someone's memory alive for better and for worse. So it was about how Facebook, her Facebook was still active. It was about Instagram being active. And like a lot of these companies also don't have policies around that yet. So like, it's really hard to shut down an account. Or it's oh, really- that's so interesting. Yeah. It, it's really, it's really kind of like, I think like an under research kind of area. And the cool thing about it was once the essay came out, Cheryl Sandberg reached out to me, which is really cool. <laughs> back when she was still there. Um, but yeah, she reached out to me and was like talking about like, you know, how can we approve Facebook? And Oh, wow. Kind of Tell me about that yeah. interaction. 
it was really amazing. Like I was still, I was still living at BC. I was still in my dorm room and the week it came out and I got this like, like link. Guys, I need 10 minutes on the phone. Everyone be quiet. I know. Literally. No, it was like that. Like, um, but she, I, she reached her assistant reached out to me via LinkedIn and then she emailed me and like a lovely note about the essay and like kind of connecting to her own personal loss and her book. And then we kind of started chatting more and she ended up writing the blurb, one of the blurbs for my book. So oh, that was wow. like, that's yeah. incredible too. Yeah. And were you also in your dorm when you got that call email? What was the communication that, that you had won that the contest? Um, I was actually, the funny thing about it, so it was about my sister obviously like I said, and about grief, but I found out that I won the contest on my sister's birthday week. Oh, that's meant to be. Yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty kind of like spiritual superstitious mm-hmm. coincidence vibes, but, um, I was in Naples, Florida with my grandparents for Easter. So it was kind of also nice to be with them. And like, right. I knew it was being considered that week. And then I had to wait five days to find out I actually like, won the contest or it might be published at all. Cause there's three people who get published. Okay. Just the winner. Um, so I was like, you know, like all anxious. And I was like, nice to be with family when that happened. And that was like really special. And you, you even had said prior, this was the first time you were really sharing your writing with people. Talk about how it felt like it was such a personal piece being blasted out to so many people that you you know you who knew your the story already who you know who didn't know the story people you don't know at all was that like difficult I'm assuming yeah absolutely that's a great question too so I found I won the contest in April on my sister's birthday week but I didn't actually have it published until senior week Mm. oh wow (laughs) this keeps getting like more it's like the when you throw a rock and it just skips perfectly (laughs) I know it was pretty, it was pretty wild experience because I couldn't tell them I won either. Like it was very like hush hush. Oh, really? There was like yeah. an NBA involved. Yeah. And he, <laughs> the editor, Dan Jones, had told me like, don't tell anybody. But I took it. I think he meant like, don't post on Facebook about this, but I took it like so to heart. So I didn't tell like, anyone. Like I'd be like, I was like, grandma, like, don't you dare to tell your friends about yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so like none of my roommates knew or anything until I, it was like, getting published like the next day. Then I was like, Hey guys, like big thing happened to me. Like my dreams are coming true. <laughs> Um, Surprise. <laughs> so funny. But then I end up um, like getting like agents requests that week and stuff too. And I had to send an agent to is my current agent right now, but I had a few reach out to me. She wanted like 40 pages of just like a kind of like book proposal type idea. And I had to do it like that week, obviously senior During week. Is senior week? Yeah. Which is, <laughs> which is obviously <laughs> a lot of fun, but I was like submitting it like right before the boat cruise, <laughs> like sending off this like life-changing email. And I'm like, all right, guys, time for the boat cruise. Like like a bottle, like a glass of champagne, like tips on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, on like the boat cruise, like checking my email. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it was definitely a huge surprise. I think for me too, personally, like I wasn't really telling people about my sister during college. I have an essay coming out the New York Times again, the same column like next week about how, like I tell people sometimes I would lie and be like, I'm an only child. Mm. So I didn't want to like get into it. So a lot of people didn't even know I had a sister. Um, like my roommates did obviously my really close personal friends, but like some of my acquaintances and like, you know, not as deep of friendships, like had no idea. Right. So it was this strange thing too, where like being vulnerable with the world and now you're being vulnerable with people you go to college with and like, right. Under that micro- was, that was the thing that I think would have been hardest for me. Like having had a whole college experience with people and then this great thing comes out, but it along with it comes with something that was 
so hard for you and your family that you now have to rehash to people that you kind of know surface level? Yeah. And it was weird too. I mean, I spent four years, like everybody in college and some people didn't know about this. And I would like, I remember like the day it came out, like getting in the elevator, I was at Iggy at that time <laughs> and a, a six man. And I was like, I like a hat down and people were like, like people come up to me like, oh my gosh, like your essay is beautiful. Like I had no idea. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to cry. Like, right. right. <laughs> I, want my sandwich. I, can feel, I can feel that. I'm, yeah. That's really yeah. like a, an interesting experience. That's what it was interesting. I think now that it's out there, I can't imagine people not knowing in a weird way. Mm. Like I kind of take for granted that people who I, in my life who can like Google me and they see all this stuff. And like, there is relief in that in a way too, because you know, back then it was like, I don't have to keep rehashing the story or if right. I do it, like, it's also like, I'm very comfortable doing it now. And back then it was much more raw for me. Right. And I'm curious too, um, how your family felt about that. And on, on that same note, when it was offered the deal to extend the essay into a full book, we were talking about the other day, like, unfortunately, like the Idaho investigation and how right. I like saying to my roommates, like, oh, it's only a matter of days until this becomes a Netflix thing. And next thing you know, someone's making money off of how terrible, like this terrible thing that happened. Like, was that ever a weird point of contention for you? Yeah, no, that's a really smart connection because I absolutely felt that way. I remember when the essay was coming out, um, Dan, and I also, I wrote this essay, right? Like with the intention of, I like it. I feel good about it. It's, you know, but I don't think it's going to get published. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, the chances of it getting published are so slim that I'm like, right. no one's going to read this. But then it comes out in the New York Times and like, you know, I get like thousands of emails at one day. So it's like this huge, overwhelming experience. But the like, editor, hey guys, my BC email expires in four days. Like, we're <laughs> to this. I know, literally. Um, no, the, the editor of the New York Times, that column, Dan Jones, was really great. And he warned me and he was like, there are Reddit sleuths. And like mm-hmm. the first essay, because she disappeared and we'd never found a body, it had, um, I was more vague about it. And I think it left more questions open about what maybe happened to her. And he was like, we should just try to answer this as blatantly as possible in this piece, because otherwise people are going to investigate and then there's going to be Reddit forums. And, right. and there are Reddit forums I've stumbled across, but it hasn't been as invasive as I thought it might be, which is good. Well, like, like to what you were just saying, when you go onto your website, you give like X, Y, and Z, and it, it's very full circle. And I will link the website, um, the old article, the new article coming out next week, good timing, everything when this goes live. Um, so let's, you graduate, you did it, you <laughs> signed the book deal. Um, let's talk about the writing process. I'm so curious myself. Yeah, so basically I signed with an agent right after graduation. I was looking for editing jobs. I got a job at magazine in the meantime. And then that summer I wrote a book proposal, which is like 80 pages of just what I thought this book could look like. And for me, I, you know, I, I also really didn't answer your other question that well, but (laughs) But, um, I like for me, when that was happening, I just, I did feel this, like, obviously I was nervous for people to read the book. And I was like, hesitant about, you know, exposing my family to people. And my mom and I had like a ton of discussions about it, just like, but um, I also felt this like incredibly overwhelming sense that I had to do it. Like it wasn't like a, it wasn't really a discussion in my brain. It was like I had hundreds of emails coming in every day from people saying like how much this essay helped them. And the essay, oh, wow. I didn't really wow. talk about mental health. Like, you know, I talk about grief in it, but I didn't talk about the harder stuff for me that I felt was more vulnerable. Like I felt like I had 
I didn't even feel like the essay was that vulnerable in a weird way. I, th- I felt like I had like this like distance to it. And I was like, people are saying I helped them so much, but I don't feel like I'm even being honest here. So for me with the book, I was like, people are asking for more of the story. And I, and I think I have an obligation just to say the whole truth mm-hmm. and do the best of my abilities to like honor my sister's life and also help people who are suffering as she was with mental illness, like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and, you know, the whole gamut that, you know, it, it, it just felt so right. And it was really scary, but I didn't, it was not a moment where I was like, I shouldn't do this. And I, I had this strange calling and I, I can't even describe like how like overwhelming that feeling was that like I had to get done. So that summer I wrote the 80 pages and then that fall, my agent, and I went to market with it which just means submitting it to different editors, different publishing houses. And then we had a bidding war in November and I had a book deal by Thanksgiving. Oh, all right. Let's break some of that down because I'm sitting here being like, whoa, like time just went like this. It's been like three seconds for you. Must have, those three months must have felt even faster. Um, So agent, you said that your agent reached out to you. Were there multiple people doing that? And how did you decide who to go with? Yeah. So I remember three agents that summer, like in one day, mm-hmm. um, I was visiting New York. My boyfriend at the time was living there. So I like stayed with him and I went on like three interview days with these agents. And also that I also went to the New York times that morning and like the editor there had saved right. my, um, I didn't know what you call these. What are they used to print the newspapers? Like those sheets to actually make it in the machines Like he had sent me like the, um, he had saved those like forms for me so I could like see them and hang them, which are like cool. really cool prints. So I went with him, like saw a tour of the New York Times, met the agents. And then I decided to go with the one I currently have, which is um, William Morris Endeavor, WME. Uh, my agent's name is Eve Adderman. And I just really clicked with her and I felt like she really understood like my, not just this book, but also my career trajectory in general that I wanted to write more books after this, like Great. really make something. And then the proposal, like you were saying, the 80 pages, was that more or less just the first 80 pages of the book? Or was it like, in the first half of the book, I'm going to talk about this. In the middle half of the book, I'm going to talk about this. And these are connected because of this. And then it'll all lead up to the end because of this. There was a bit of an outline like that, just a bigger kind of like overall look at what I wanted to go with this. But it was it was 80 pages of like pure writing, just like chapter by chapter. Um, And I tried to do like, different sections of the book, like more of like a middle section, ending section. So they got an idea of like kind of the arc I wanted to go with. But I threw out most of those pages in the end. Okay. <laughs> so the only the only thing that hasn't changed really has been like the first like two chapters of the book. Those are always kind of the same. Beyond that, everything else I like really threw out and had to start from scratch with the book deal. And was that motivated by when you got your editor? Yeah, I think the more I sat with it, Right. And I was playing around with it. Just the format kept changing and okay. like my structure and stuff. But yeah. And talk about the bidding war. I think that's so cool. Yeah, that was really exciting. It was, um, I had like three publishers interested. So we had them like call in at a certain time with their offers. And then I was at work that day. So I had my agent call me and was like, can you like step away to conference room for a second? And like, I like ran to a conference room and she like told me the numbers and the breakdown and who had, you know, offered what. And I got very lucky because the editor that I wanted to begin with. So I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. When you are going out to market with a book, you'll meet with the editors in person, the ones that are interested. Okay. And so the ones that I almost like, there's nothing you can do. I forget what the term for it is called, but you can like kind of opt to not have a bidding war and just sign with someone right away. 
Okay. And there was a part of me that loved this editor so much that I was like, I don't even want to bid anymore. Like, I just want to be with her. But my agent was like, let's just see the offers and like relax. <laughs> so the one that offered the most was also one I liked the most. And it was just like total synergy and worked out perfectly. Awesome. And I'm, I'm curious too, because was it similar to the way that you said you just clicked with your agent with, with the editors? Like they shared a similar mindset with where you wanted the book to go or is the editing criteria very different than the agent criteria? Yeah, that's another great question. I think I was so naive mm-hmm. to this process that like I was really just trying to like impress them. And I don't think I really asked enough questions about what I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted in like an editor but or an agent. But now going forward, I think I have like much more, you know, informed questions I can ask right. them, which really what's your timeline like like how back how fast do you get back with edits what kind of edits do you like what's your process like do you want me to finish full book do you want chapter by chapter like those are like kind of nitty-gritty things i didn't know to get into yet um so that was more of us just like talking about bigger picture stuff like marketing or like where she saw it or like you know like comp titles that she could compare it to or mm. things that she worked on and she had done um brain on fire which is Susanna kalen's oh, wow wow that's huge yeah, and I loved that book. And actually, Susanna gave me a, another blurb for my book. So it was really cool to talk to her. Um, so I, I just felt like really like a lot of connection with like how she saw the purpose of the book and how to help people. And I think she really understood what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah, I think the the author, writer, business structure is so vague, which I think even connects to why people don't really see how they can make it happen for themselves. So I like this is is really, really interesting. In the essence of the book, there is a factual neuroscience psychological base, like, or part of it, like you talked about. Did you work with any experts or conduct your own research or did the editor help you at all with that angle of it? Because I totally relate to what you were saying where it's like, who am I to have have this kind of, of say? Yeah, you know, I really, I interviewed some people and I tried to talk to professors and stuff, but, and doctors, but I really connected my own research mostly. A lot of that involved like reading different books on this stuff. I think luckily, because I had studied psychology in undergrad at BC, I had a pretty good background in some of this stuff. I could at least understand what I was reading and research. Right. Connect it. Um, But it also really entailed me going back into personal like family records and looking at my sister's stuff and looking at her medications and trying to connect the dots in that way, too. So it was a lot of research. Wow. It's very um, journalistic's the wrong word, but investigative in a way. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, was me. You connect these dots kind of retroactively and you see the connections. Mm -hmm. Like I remember trying to figure out a timeline what happened and I looked at like my sister was like, um, had a head injury, like a really traumatic brain injury when she was a freshman in college. And I looked at like the date that happened and the hospital records from that. And then I look at like a month later, I have like a note from like her, the dean of her college being like, she's suspended for X, Y, Z reasons because she's acting erratically. And I'm like, okay, this is so connected. Like, mm. you know, you see all those connections after the fact. And like, it helps me now to like lay it out, I think for other families who are suffering because it's so hard to see when you're in the moment. You just like, it's all just like a blur of chaos. But now looking back, you can see the connections. And I can only imagine that the emails and letters you were getting from the essay have just multiplied exponentially since releasing the book. It's probably been so helpful for so many families. Yeah, thank you. I think um, the funny thing with that is that it's been like, 
it's never stopped. Like, I think with the essay, it was kind of like a total rush at the beginning, then it just teetered out. While with the book, I still get them every day. And like, it's, I mean, I wish I was better at responding to people. I, I was really like, I wanted to find every single person in the beginning. And now it's like so emotionally overwhelming that I just like take it in. I'm like, okay, right. I gotta just. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it means a lot to me every time I get that. It just validates my whole purpose in writing this. I would just be curious to what those nitty gritty details that you mentioned that you would perhaps ask an editor in the future, how that played out for you. Like how long did you have to actually write the book? Did you give a complete first draft? How many rounds of edits did you go through? Yeah, that's a great question too. So I had eight months to finish the book. I got the deal like right around Thanksgiving and then it was due August the next summer. So I had like kind of time crunch and the way I worked was I just finished the book. Like I didn't have any back to back. Oh, really? Okay. Editor. So I sent her like the full, I think it was like 98,000 words in the end. Um, so I couldn't go above a hundred thousand, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> but we cut down to like 80 in the end. Uh-huh. So, um, but I sent her like the full draft and then I think it took her a few months to get back to me with edits. And then we had like two more rounds before copy team. So it wasn't a lot of editing. And maybe in the future, I would want more of like a chapter by chapter type thing. Okay. Um, the weird thing about nonfiction too is you can get a book deal with a proposal with a really good nonfiction story and like some, you know, good writing to show, but you can't do that with fiction as much. So unless you're, yeah, unless you're like Kendall Jenner and you want to write a book, yeah. <laughs> you have to um, have like a finished fiction novel and then send it in. Um, okay, so a finished novel is basically a proposal in, in the fiction realm. Exactly. So wow. you want to market it with a full novel, um, full manuscript. So that's different too, but yeah. I guess it's like then you can't pull a fast one over on where the plot is going with nonfiction. Yeah, I, I do wonder why it's so different. I think maybe just like to show that you can actually finish it or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think some writers, like when they're more established, for sure, can just like maybe send in like yeah. six chapters. But J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter number eight part two was like, yeah. he's <laughs> someone's going to die in the end. Like, She's proven herself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and I'm really, really curious about market, how you marketed the book mm-hmm. to the public. I would say the way I think book the book industry is changing a ton right now. And there's not a lot of marketing being done for individual books anymore. Like you will have like one big book of the season and that will sell like, you know, a million copies and that will be the income for that department. And you have a hundred other books who are going to sell like 10,000 copies. And like, it almost, doesn't really, unless you're the big make title that season, sure. it like they're not going to put a lot of publicity into you. So I had a publicist at HarperCollins and like she was great with getting me some podcasts and this and that. I had um a big spread in People Magazine, which Ooh. is probably my biggest one. Um, That was pretty nuts because they had to do a whole photo shoot and everything. And it was like in my like Tribeca apartment with my four roommates. Oh, like, that's <laughs> awesome. So that was cool. Um, But otherwise, it's been a lot of kind of on the authors these days to do it themselves and like, you know, write your own op-eds and, you know, contact podcasts and really try to get out there and do it yourself. And you think that's a shift? I do think it's a shift. I don't know if it's a bad shift. I just think that these days authors have to wear more hats. Okay. Like, I think if you want to really, unless you're just like naturally, you know, like you said, like JK Rowling or somebody who just like has it, (laughs) you can just like get a big break. Otherwise it's a lot of like, like, I think it's almost being like an entrepreneur. Like there's a lot of like, 
you are out there doing it yourself. You had to put your business hat on and your writing hat on. So it's like your creative side and then you're more, you know, financial. Business. I mean, that like book talk situation on TikTok, I feel like everyone's had had their phase on there, their whole for you page just being book recommendations, authors pubbing their own books. Do you participate in that at all? I'm curious. Yeah. I actually feel so strongly about this. <laughs> Let's so, hear it. <laughs> I know this is my spiel. So I was really against book talk because I am 26 now. <laughs> I was like, is this going to be embarrassing to have like this presence online trying to like self, you know, publicize myself. It's just a little, it's a little cringy sometimes, I but I mean, I started doing it like a few months ago and I've had a huge boost in sales. Like I had one post go viral. I think I like, you know, like a hundred thousand views, like 10 K likes, something like that. And I looked on Goodreads the next day and I had had like 300 people add my book to their, to read. And that's just like, that's just like one 15 second video. So I think that my thing with like social media these days, like, yes, traditional print is kind of going downwards and like there's not a lot of opportunities out there for authors to get traditional marketing but with social media like it's back in our hands now and like i'm not waiting for my publicist to get me gigs i can like post online right. and i can get sales that way or i can you know there are like a lot more opportunities i think for writers have you heard of alex astor by chance i have she's actually a forbes 30 and 30 so she's okay yes um she was on my free page a ton I actually have been meaning to like look more into her book, but it seems like from the way she positions herself, like she essentially got her her book deal off of pubbing herself on TikTok, which just goes yeah. to show like it really is giving power back to authors and like a an iffy time for for physical print. Yeah, it's, I think her story is so encouraging. I love it. I love hearing the success stories and like she had the gumption to actually go there and like really put it out there and it worked out for her tremendously. And you mentioned Forbes 30 under 30. Let's let's talk about that. That's got to be probably your biggest piece of press in, in a little bit, other than your amazing TikToks, that is. I'm curious. <laughs> so for everyone listening, um, Kylie, was a 2022 or 2023? It's 2023, technically. Okay. A 2023 Forbes 30 under 30 recipient. I'm so curious about that entire process. Did you apply? Did someone contact you? Yeah. So there was like, I never saw a list like on TikTok that was like, not TikTok, sorry, Twitter. Now I'm on TikTok still. Um, on Twitter, that was like saying you could like submit your name. So I submitted my name and then I found out like pretty fast after that I got, I uh, was being considered and I was being considered for two different categories, which is kind of funny, but it was art and style and then media. So I filmed, I filled out like a forum for them. It was a pretty intensive forum. And then I didn't hear anything for months until the day that came out. <laughs> So. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even say in the introduction. Congratulations, by the way. That's that's oh, rather new, right? And that's that's how actually how I um I found to reach out to you. I saw yeah. it on LinkedIn, like a BC grads on Forbes 30 to 30. That's absolutely incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been really exciting. It's just a big, you know, vote of confidence. Mm-hmm. What has I'm curious, I had it too, like what was the media obligation like that? Have you had speaking arrangements centered around that? Was that a similar people magazine type of photo shoot? Yeah. Um, I have, so I wasn't, they have a photo shoot for people who like are on the cover of it um, for each category. So I didn't have anything like that, but yeah, it's been a lot of just like, you know, media reaching out to me, like podcasts like that, which has been really cool. And also a really amazing networking opportunity. Mm-hmm. I just, 
I went to like the launch party in New York. I've met just so many friends through it. Like I just meet cool people. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I like a group of like four of us who like get drinks here and there. Just like, it's just really fun. And not in my industry, even just people who are just doing cool, interesting things in other sectors. So I've just loved the aspect of getting to meet people through it. That's awesome. And I think that's so important to have. I mean, I've always loved having like groups of people in different places. I think it makes an individual a lot more interesting and bring a lot more to the table. So I'm glad to hear that that extends past college. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. Like I've, I have a group of like four friends now and like one's a digital artist who's really amazing. One's like has a startup. Another one works in finance and there's me who's a writer and we like you know, we don't have like anything tying us together except for that this one thing, but it's so much to talk about. And it's so cool. That's awesome. Um, and it popped back into my head because you mentioned like the different categories and we talked about this a little bit before, but the book is being produced into a film now, right? Or a limited series feature. What What's the, the DL on that? Congratulations as well. Thank you. Yeah. So I signed a non, so non-exclusive shopping agreement is the term with um, Gail Hurd with Valhalla production. And we haven't decided yet if it's going to be a you know limited series or a feature or what's going to happen with the adaptation, but we're still looking for like a director tied to it and a co-writer for me for the screenplay. And yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, I think it's like, it's such an early stages and Hollywood can be pretty rocky. So mm. I'm like an open mind, but I think um, I'm obviously a little nervous for the adaptation in the sense that it might be like sensationalized. It's a very right. personal story. So I'm very, I approached it very hesitantly, but I feel like I'm in such good hands with Gail. She absolutely understands my purpose in writing it and what I want to accomplish with it. So I feel like, I feel really good about it right now. Um, I want to come back to transitioning from nonfiction and general writing to film writing, but I think this would be a really cool like opportunity. It's come up three times now just to talk about how important it is to have the right kind of business partners and, and people supporting you. It's something echoed to like any young person starting a job, but it seems like you have a really niche experience with that if you have any advice for for people. Like looking for mentors? Yeah, so, not even like yeah. mentors, but also when you talk to your editor and talk to your agent, when you talk to Gail, people that you feel like will do your agenda is the wrong word, but like what you were looking to accomplish justice first, just like you were saying, like sensationalizing your story for like a, a dollar. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's it's like hard to get advice on that. I feel like it's such an intuition thing sometimes, but and I guess asking the right questions and like being kind of cautious and optimistic at the same time. Like I, I am definitely very careful to make sure that like I understand we're on the same page. Um, but also like I've had some really amazing mentors that I've just met in this process from the New York Times, from my agent, from my editor, just like people I can reach out to who I can ask questions like this to. And right. I should be getting a lawyer. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. But like stuff like that, just have people in your corner who can like answer your dumb questions or your like really specific industry questions that you don't know. Right. And like your team will just continue to grow and grow, including... Nice little tie back here. Your co-writer for the film, because you had even mentioned before I started officially recording, it is a very different type of writing for for screen versus for print. So talk about that. What's different? Um, what I don't know, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I would consider myself my strength in writing is like prose writing. Okay. So 
adapting to the screen is a challenge to me, but it's it's also really exciting because it's such a different way to think about a story. It's it's just visuals, obviously, and it's so structured, and you kind of it kind of makes you work in a very strict, tight way mm-hmm. in your writing, and I like that because I think it, it challenges me. Um, so I have like been playing around with it myself. I'm taking a screenwriting course right now, oh, cool. and I'm also working on a pilot, which is totally separate. Um, but just like really getting more into the scene. I just, I think the um, opportunities in Hollywood, these writers, there's just a lot going on there. And I, and I really love the collaboration aspect of it. When you're writing a book, it's just you and your bedroom. Right. And now I can have like, you know, partners in it and like other people's visions and a producer and actors, everyone brings something else to it that I think really strengthens it in the end. And I'm curious too, on the, on the business side of it, is a film contract much more than a book contract? No numbers needed, but just out of curiosity. I think it depends because you get optioned with them. So if you're selling a book to be a film, you get optioned and then they give you money for that. And then it will consider a studio for years and never get made. So it can be like that. And sometimes that's like not that much or it be a lot. It's, it's so variable. Same with books. Like the number, the ranges are just so different, but there's definitely a lot of opportunities there. And I think you get more when it actually does get made. Okay. Like It's like really like when it actually starts shooting, you get that. Check. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think, I mean, that's, hopefully that wasn't too much picking your brain on the book process. I'm sure you talk about it a lot, but I'm, I'm curious if there's anything I always end like that we missed that you want to touch on more, talk about more. Yeah. I think the only thing I would really add is just, I, my point in the beginning is I just wish more writers, more young writers were pursuing this. Um, I wish, like you said, like you said earlier, more, you know, female writers were really considering it. I just think there's tons of opportunities out there. And if you love it, you know, you should go for it and just submit to contests, send cold emails to editors, you know, just, just go for it because I promise you there are opportunities out there and people need your voice. Writers and Poet has, Poets have like an ongoing list of like contests and different journals who are accepting submissions. So just doing stuff like that and just like really trying because you never know. You can submit to one contest. Your right. Whole life changes. <laughs> right. Okay. I'll, I'll link that as well. Well, Kylie, this has been so great. I'm so thankful that you took the time to share like the story of your sister and your family, but then also your experience at BC, your experience writing the book, the, the way that this is all exponentiated. I'm sure, like you said, <laughs> but you said people need to hear their like other people's stories. I think this story will be really, really helpful to people as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having yeah. me. 